I'm Marianne Kolbesak McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Jennifer Kovich Bordenick, CEO of the eHealth Initiative and Foundation. Jennifer will be speaking to me about a new draft consumer privacy framework for health data that was recently issued by the eHealth Initiative and the Center for Democracy and Technology. The groups say the framework includes a description of the health data that warrant protection, as well as the standards and rules that should govern them. The groups also say the framework is part of a collaborative effort to address gaps in the legal protections for consumer health data outside of HIPAA. So, Jen, for starters, why did the eHealth Initiative and the CDT release this framework? I think this is a really relevant issue right now, and most consumers recognize that there's really no way to kind of manage and track all of the data that they've got out there, the groups that have their data, all of those systems and companies that are capturing, storing, and using their health information. So what we wanted to do was try to create some kind of framework to address that issue, define what health information is, come up with rules and standards for how it should be protected, and then come up with a model for how to really hold companies accountable. So what are some of the highlights and key privacy issues that the framework addresses? So there's a lot of pieces to it. If I was going to just kind of give you the highlights of it, I guess what I would say is this framework actually covers consumers regardless of what type of organization or what type of data is being held by the organization. So there are um, no gaps in coverage. So it's really a wraparound protection for consumers, regardless of the format or the entity that holds it. The other thing that it does is it categorically prohibits any use of health data that consumers don't ask for or expect. So what that means is the company asks um, is helping you track maybe um, your ancestors online, it can't turn around then and use that data for something completely different, like marketing drugs to you. It has to be used for what you expect it to be used for. And then finally, um, it limits the amount of consumer health information that can be collected, disclosed, or used to only what is necessary to provide that product or feature that you've requested. So, for example, if a company is selling you a wearable device, they can't then collect data about what medications you're taking because it's not, you don't need that to, to basically get that device. So it really has to be restricted to um, whatever's necessary to provide that product or feature to you that you wanted originally. So what sorts of gaps in the protection of consumer data that fall outside of HIPAA's umbrella does this framework seek to address? You mentioned you know, websites like you know, Ancestry types of sites. What sorts of other data? So one of the reasons that we came up with this is because there is really no national privacy law right now. And there are a lot of issues right now with state laws and different organizations that come out with frameworks. A lot of models revolve around this whole idea of notice and consent, meaning a lot of the current requirements basically require a company to tell consumers what they're going to do with their data, and then consumers can click that ever-popular I accept button. (laughs) And the model basically goes beyond that. This is beyond just a consent model. Our approach, I think, is much more stringent than these other frameworks and current legal standards because we really think that health data really warrants extra protection. 
So what our um, draft does is really, it's actually very consistent with some of the protections found in the GDPR and the CCPA, which is the California law. And it complements, I think, other frameworks that are out there right now. There are a lot of organizations like the Karen Alliance, um, the Network Advertising Initiative, and it also, I think, builds on and complements the FTC best practices for mobile health app developers. So we're really trying to just go beyond what is currently there and make it more stringent. So Jen, who should potentially use this framework and how can it be applied? I mean, that's the really exciting part about this. I think that this framework can be utilized by consumers, um, companies that are collecting information or using information, and it can also aid regulators, state and federal and oversight bodies to really help them think about and focus their attention on what they should be um, regulating and what are the critical areas that they need to think about. And one more thing I just want to mention, as I said before, you know, there isn't currently a national privacy law, and there are so many discrepancies and things that just don't make sense when you put this state together with this rule and this oversight body. It's a really complex set of privacy regs that are currently out there. And I think ultimately we're going to need some kind of comprehensive national privacy law. And we don't have that, you know, that doesn't look like it's in the cards for any time soon right now. So we've got to do something in the interim to really help protect consumers. So we really see this framework as a bridge to some future federal legislation. We don't think this framework addresses everything. It's not an end-all, be-all solution. It's not a magic bullet. It really just raises the bar for consumer privacy a little bit. And we hope and we would expect that there would eventually be some kind of national, federal, comprehensive law. So, Jen, again, this framework is a draft version. What comes next after this draft? Are you collecting comments? Uh, Is there a timeline on when a final version of the framework will be released? So we recognize that we didn't catch everything. (laughs) Although this process really did collaborate with dozens of technology companies, consumer groups, healthcare organizations, all kinds of groups that collect data, retailers, organizations, we know that we miss things. So we want to make sure that we're addressing things that are most critical to people, what they care about, and if there's anything that we miss or doesn't make sense, we want to make sure that we catch that as well. So we're asking people to provide feedback on the draft through September 25th. And then the plan is after we get all of those thoughts and suggestions and concerns, we will release a final draft by the end of 2020. But that's really not the end of this process. Then the work's going to really continue. (laughs) Because at that point, we really want to work closely with consumers and tech companies to figure out how to put this framework into motion. And that's going to involve, you know, implementing this and going into much more detail and trying to make this work in the real world. In terms of the comments that have been coming in so far, anything that stands out in terms of things that you've missed that you want to cover in the next iteration? There's a lot of questions about how we're going to hold companies accountable and what type of enforcement um, would be in place. And that's what I think we're looking for feedback on right now. The model proposes a self-regulatory model. Again, this is kind of a phased approach. So initially, we think there has to be some kind of self-regulatory model with the voluntary compliance. So there would be a consortium of healthcare and tech leaders that would basically form a self-regulatory model. And this 
group would operate independently, but also operate in alignment with a federal regulatory agency like the FTC. And that's what we really need to kind of iron out in this next stage, is, is what type of body is going to govern this, who would be doing that, what would the relationship be with the FTC in terms of enforcement and working together, and, and what does that look like? So that's part of the area we're really interested in getting comments on and that we're going to be diving into deeper in the next phase. And finally, Jen, are there any other projects in the works by the eHealth Initiative related to privacy and security of health data that we should be keeping our eyes on? Oh, goodness, yes. (laughs) We've been doing a lot of work around COVID-19 and privacy issues that have come up in the last six months as as the industry's really been struggling with this. And I think people across America, and, and I think, you know, it's been a real eye-opener for a lot of folks that they finally understand healthcare data. You know, COVID-19 has really helped people understand that healthcare data is more than the data that's in your doctor's office. As people are starting to recognize that test results and what community or population you belong to can help determine whether or not you might be more at risk. So there's all kinds of data that's being collected by different groups that aren't necessarily healthcare groups and covered by HIPAA that can inform an organization about your healthcare status or your risk for COVID. So we've been doing a lot of work around COVID-19, what kinds of data is being collected for that and how it's being protected. And then, you know, in a similar vein, we've been doing a lot of work around social determinants of health as it's specific to COVID because we do know that there are certain populations that are more vulnerable to COVID-19 and we want to understand how is that data being collected to identify those groups and how can we ensure that those groups are not discriminated against and there's no bias against them because of their status. Thanks, Jen. I've been speaking to Jennifer Kovic-Bordernick. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.